You can support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc., by purchasing a cell phone case from Crossway, crossweh.com slash LPR. You'll find cell phone cases for issues, etc., Lutheran Public Radio, the word of the Lord endures forever, and Luther's seal with the Reformation solas, crossweh.com slash LPR. A percentage of your purchase will support issues, etc., Cross weh.com slash LPR. The following is an encore presentation of Issues Etc. The season of Lent begins with Ash Wednesday. We usually talk about Repentance, we are reminded that we are destined to dust, we shall return. There's also a hymn that just fits beautifully with Ash Wednesday and it kicks off Lent, this time of solemn reflection on the suffering of Christ, but not sorrowful reflection. Well, that hymn is called From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee by the 16th century reformer Martin Luther. Greetings and welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be studying the hymn, From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. He's professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth. Dr. Just, welcome back. Nice to be with you. Why is it appropriate to begin Ash Wednesday and the entire season of Lent with a confession and absolution hymn like From Depths of Woe? Well, the church turns its face to Jerusalem on this day and makes its journey. It is a journey of sorrow because we know the end is the death of Jesus. We also take the journey knowing that he goes before us. And in order for us to, to make that journey, we, we need to be holy. You know, we need to be prepared, just like John the Baptist's ministry, because we are going to see, in a sense, the Holy of Holies crucified on that tree outside Jerusalem. And so in order to be, in a sense, worthy to make that trip, we, we need to come clean. We need to confess our sins and be forgiven, and receive the absolution that shows that we are people who are now ready to follow him all the way to the cross. Lent, you know, was originally a a catechetical season in preparation for baptism and the celebration on the Easter vigil of all those people who had been preparing, in some cases, for three years in the ancient church. But it became a time also for the enrollment of the penitents, And so it was both a catechetical journey. In other words, as we make our way there, we are in the final throes of that preparation for holy baptism. But for those of us baptized, we walk alongside these unbaptized. And the way we do it is by entering into the state of penance, you know, and the penitents would be enrolled along with the catechumens on Ash Wednesday, and they have a bowl of ashes poured on their head and be put in sackcloth and ashes. They would repent of the sin that they are being 
publicly, in a sense, restored back to the church during this season of Lent. And they would be restored back on Monday, Thursday with the Lord's Supper. That was their restoration. But it's a time for the whole church to follow in the way of Jesus. And that's why the temptation in the wilderness is the gospel for the first Sunday in Lent, because I mean, among other things, it it shows that that Jesus goes before us into the wilderness. And it's a great Sunday to recognize that he is engaging in the battle for us by his battle with, with Satan in the wilderness. All of these things are reasons for us from the depths of our woe to cry to him in our trial and tribulation that we need to come clean and ask him to remember not our sins so that we might be ready and worthy to celebrate the great feast of Good Friday and Easter. And that's that's really why this is so appropriate, a hymn for us on this day in which we remember our sins and our holy absolution. So the author is 16th century reformer Martin Luther. Do we know the occasion of this particular hymn? Well, he was revising the Latin Mass when he wrote this hymn, and he was very intent on turning a bunch of the Psalms into metrical hymns that could be sung by people. And it is uh, one that is maybe one of his finest efforts. I think many people believe that it could be one of the greatest hymns that he ever wrote. It certainly had a great, great success. And I think it's for a number of reasons. For one, it was one of Luther's favorite of his hymns. He loved singing this hymn because he thought it spoke to his heart. And I think the psalm itself on which it's based, Psalm 130, is is one that speaks to all our hearts. It is also a beautiful hymn about the Lutheran distinction of law and gospel. And you can see that Luther, sort of in his interpretation of the psalm in this hymn, brings in what is, of course, the doctrine of the Church of Lutherans that, you know, we say is the doctrine upon which the Church stands and falls, justification by grace through faith. I think it also was for him uh, one that sort of reflected his deep understanding of the need that, that all of life can be understood in terms of repentance. And I think he sees humanity's deepest mourning and sorrow over its sin. And and this is why this becomes a, and I think in, in other hymnals, it's put in the the section on death and, and funerals. But we've, in LSB, put it into confession and absolution because in a sense, we're mourning the fact that we are people whose destiny is death. Interestingly, this hymn was sung at the funeral of Frederick the Wise. So this was only a few years after it was written. It's written in 1523. And I think it was also used during Luther's funeral. So it's a hymn that is a funeral hymn in many ways. There's also a sense that it it teaches, and that's why I love it about Lent, because it's not just penitential, but it is catechetical. And I believe Bach wrote some wonderful pieces of music based on the catechism, and one of them that I think he wrote that was particularly poignant was one that was on this very hymn and this very psalm. It is a really Lutheran hymn. I mean, not just that Luther wrote it, but all the themes that were 
sort of central to his being and his whole life and and what he did in bringing the church back to what it should be. I mean, this hymn in many ways encapsulates all of that. What would you say is the primary biblical text behind this hymn? Well, there's no doubt that it's Psalm 130, which begins in the same same way almost, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. It is really, in some ways, a hymn that, that basically kind of walks through this psalm. And the five stanzas, in a way, kind of capture verse by verse what this psalm is about. And there are other texts. Ephesians, uh, I think, 2 is one of the texts, the one that we know so well about, by grace you are saved through faith. Romans 5 could also be a reference, or 1 Timothy 1. But basically, those texts are simply reflections of this doctrine of justification by grace through faith, which this hymn really, in many ways, is all about. The first stanza of From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee. From depths of woe I cry to thee in trial and tribulation. Bend down to thy gracious ear to me. Lord, hear my supplication. If thou rememberest every sin, who then could heaven ever win or stand before thy presence? say about that first stanza? It's about forgiveness. You can see how it, in a sense, ends towards that, standing in the presence. But it's a cry for help, which is just like the psalm, to be heard. And I love that second line, in trial and tribulation. I mean, that in many ways captures every kind of suffering we might experience in our lives. And it's It's asking the Lord to simply listen to our cry, to hear us, and to hear our cry for mercy. And it recognizes that God is is a God. I, I love what the psalm says, and it's one of my favorite lines in the psalm, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. A God who can forgive, I mean, and certainly this is what Jesus was accused of in his ministry when he said he could forgive sins, is blasphemy, because only God can do that. And if if it is God, then there, there's a reason to be afraid. And and this this verse says, you know, if thou rememberest every sin, who then could heaven ever win or stand behind thy presence? So the, 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 in a way, the key to this verse is to recognize that the goal of this hymn is to see that in the presence of God, there is forgiveness. And, I mean, it is the verse that in many ways, even though it's not overtly speaking of forgiveness, you know that's the goal. And it's the call for God to hear our angst, our, our woe, so that he might 
have mercy on us, which of the rest of the hymn is going to speak to with abundance. But I, I, <clears throat> I think of all the verses, this is the one that speaks most clearly to me because I think you can really see, I mean, I know if thou remembers every sin, I mean, sometimes you're just overwhelmed at how, wow, it's just, it's just so hard to be human and to be burdened by this sin. And we need his presence. And wherever he is, there is forgiveness. So it's a beautiful verse that, in, in a sense, encapsulates not just what this day is about and this season is about, but what Christian life is about. You said we need his presence on account of our sin is literally deadly to us. That being the case, why do we need his presence? Well, we want to be restored to what God created us to be, and that is holy, without sin. And in order to be that way, to stand in his presence holy, we need that forgiveness. We we need that forgiveness. But to receive that forgiveness, we have to cry out from the depths of woe in our trials and tribulations, asking him to hear our supplication and our confession. And I think, you know, in a way, when Luther says, if thou rememberest every sin, <laughs> we... We're confessing that he does, you know, and that we, what you love about this, and we'll see it in the next verses, is that it is a a hymn that really just strikes down any sense of works righteousness. How can we win heaven and his presence without God's grace and God's forgiveness, which is something that we cannot earn in any way? And so I think it is a a hymn that, that says that, what we all desire is the beatific vision, to be restored back to God, to be in that holy presence, to be the way God created us to be. But we know we're not worthy. So there has to be something that brings us to the point where we can say that we are, we are worthy to stand in that presence. We're studying the hymn of the day for Ash Wednesday from Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee. Dr. Arthur Jest is our guest, author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth. When we come back, we confess because God is merciful, not the other way around. Listen to the best of the church's music for the season of Lent at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the season of Lent, LutheranPublicRadio.org. Where is God's mission? God's mission is everywhere. Yes, it's far away, but it's also very near. It's as near as your congregation in school, your neighborhood, your family and friends, even as near as your home. Wherever you are, God's mission is in that place. Through his mission, Christ is bringing forgiveness, life, and salvation to people everywhere, even here, right where you are. God's mission here. Learn more at lcms.org slash national mission.
the light of God's Word in a world of darkness. You're listening to Issues Etc. Teach, learn, connect at Louisville's Our Savior Lutheran Church and School. Our school is the only LCMS school in the greater Louisville metro area. It's a traditional Christian school with a rich history of academic excellence. From preschool through eighth grade, our teachers, staff, and church congregation connect with children across our city every day. Learn more online at Facebook or Twitter or call 502-426-0864. This month marks the 50th anniversary of the walkout of faculty and staff from the Concordia Seminary St. Louis campus in 1974. If you've ever wondered about Seminex or the walkout and what they were all about, now's your chance to learn more. Pick up the February issue of The Lutheran Witness. You can purchase that at CPH. Visit cph.org witness or learn more at our website, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We are studying the hymn of the day for Ash Wednesday, From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest, professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, where they form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. If you ever considered the vocations of pastor or deaconess, visit ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Just, before we go on to the next stanza, I think it's important to point out that God is merciful prior to our confession of sin. We confess because he is merciful, not the other way around. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like the one uh, situation in Luke's Gospel where the woman who um, comes to him and... um, washes his feet with her tears and and dries them with her hair, anoints his feet with oil. And Jesus says she's forgiven because she loves much. Now, did her love earn her forgiveness? That's always been the... And every commentator now says no, but why? Well, she comes to him because she knows and has seen and has heard, more importantly, his teaching. She knows that he's a gracious and merciful man, and she knows that he will forgive her. And because she has heard him, because she knows that he speaks about the fact that he is God and he comes to bring this new creation, this new reality in his own flesh, that she comes to him and has, in a sense, loves him by taking care of his his dirty feet. And she loves much because she has seen and heard about his forgiveness and, and her sign is a sign that she is forgiven, that he allows her to do that. And of course, it's a great scandal to the Pharisees. And it's a great text. I was thinking of this text actually before this, because the Pharisees want a a different way, a, a different, you know, alternative means of salvation through their own efforts, their own works. And, and she comes out of love and she is forgiven. Stands the two. Thy love and grace alone avail to blot out my transgression. The best and holiest deeds must fail to break sin's dread oppression. Before thee none can boasting stand, but all must fear thy strict demand and live alone by mercy.
What is this second stanza saying? Well, this is where you can really see Luther's uh, theology of grace and love come through. You know, love and grace, he starts, he, he speaks so clearly here about mercy at the very end. I mean, those are huge words that define the kind of God we have. And it is only through his love and grace, we were talking about this in the last stanza, that is what blots out our transgressions, you know, that it is only by grace. And I think the center of this, the best and holiest deeds must fail to break sin's dread oppression. I mean, two things there that I think is so important, and I'm not sure that everybody believes this anymore, at least in our culture, that sin is a dread oppression. If people are honest with themselves and what might keep them up at night, what may actually plague them, is the fact that sin is oppressing them and that they need to have that sin blotted out. And we can't, I love it, holiest deeds. I mean, not just any old deed, but deeds that we think come out of our own piety. None of that is a reason to boast. We can't boast in what we do, but he's a demanding God. We all fear thy strict demand. And he demands complete righteousness, and we can't do that. That's why we need the love, and we need the grace, and we finally need the mercy. And I think the last line is just so beautiful, and live alone by mercy. Mercy is the expression of God's love and grace for those of us who have come to understand in this season that begins with Ash Wednesday that nothing we can do can blot out our sins. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, that we can do to earn God's mercy and favor. It is all by grace, costly grace, the grace of the life of the Son of God in exchange for the life of the world. Sin does not feel like oppression. I mean, I've often observed that, and it really is a kind of a Reformation truth when Jesus says, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And the objection is we're not slaves. We've never been enslaved to anyone. And it seems to me that sin feels like freedom, but it's actually oppression. And to our sinful flesh, the true freedom that is in Christ feels, or we tend to think of it, like slavery. What are your thoughts? One of my colleagues says that one of the problems with the world today is that they just, they don't believe that they're sinners and they don't need a righteous God and they're not afraid of a righteous God because they just, they have no faith at all. And I think in a way he's certainly right. You can see it all around you. But I think it's sort of been that way from the beginning that people don't, until they, they get caught in something or they get they don't realize how oppressive sin is. But why is there so much depression? Why is there so much suicide? Why? I mean, can't people see that the virus of sin infects everything? And that you wake up one morning, you think things are all well, and by the afternoon, just your life is imploded by either things that have happened to you or things that have happened around you or in the world. And what I love about this verse is that it addresses the two things that sort of are fundamental to our need for love and mercy and grace. And that is that we are sinners and that we actually do believe 
that we can, by our holy deeds, earn God's favor. I mean, I think, you know, when you talk about law gospel preaching, I mean, this is a law gospel verse. And I think the law here is a, a, a sin. It, it, I mean, sin needs to be addressed. But I think the law, and Jesus did this more than anything else, especially against the religious establishment, the law has to be preached about those who are self-righteous, who think they can earn their own salvation. And in some ways, it's better to be a sinner than a Pharisee. And I think that you can see in this verse, Luther gets it all. I mean, it's amazing. And you wonder if people do fear his strict demand. I don't know. I think there is something in everyone that at the end of the day, they kind of know. They just realize that things are not right. You're going to be totally out of touch with reality not to see that. Just watch the evening news. Read a newspaper. Talk to your neighbor. Things are are wrong in the world, and somebody has to make them right. That's what this season is about, to take that journey with Jesus to watch him make right what has gone wrong on that cross, to do what only he can do, to set things right. And I think this verse certainly shows us that things are very wrong. We're studying the hymn of the day for Ash Wednesday, From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. Stanza three next. Therefore my hope is in the Lord and not in mine own merit. It rests upon his faithful word to them of contrite spirit that he is merciful and just. This is my comfort and my trust. His help I wait with patience. can support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by purchasing a cell phone case from Crossway, crossweh.com slash LPR. You'll find cell phone cases for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, and Luther's Seal with the Reformation Solas, crossweh.com slash LPR. A percentage of your purchase will support Issues Etc., Cross weh.com slash LPR. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Memoria Press's award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. 
If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization, one student at a time. We're supported by listeners like you. You're listening to Issues Etc. It's compromise. This is Ken Ham, author of the book called The Lie, Evolution and Millions of Years. This week, we've seen reasons from God's Word why creation and evolution don't mix. But does it really matter? Yes, you see, evolution and millions of years don't come from the Bible. They come from outside of Scripture and then are used to reinterpret God's clear Word. It's compromised with man's ideas. Think of it this way. The words of people who weren't there, who don't know everything and frequently make mistakes are being used to interpret the word of the one who has always been there, who knows everything and never makes a mistake. No, we must always allow God's word to be our ultimate authority in every area. Discover more about God's Word as our authority when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again at AnswersRadio.com. Stanza 3 of the Confession and Absolution hymn from Depths of Woe, I Cry to Thee. We're studying this hymn of the day for Ash Wednesday with Dr. Arthur Just. This is Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Dr. Just, what would you say about this third stanza? Well, just listen to the, the, the Lutheran language here and the biblical language. Hope, faithful word, merciful, just, trust, patience. The previous verse started with love and grace. This one starts with hope. And here you can see that in a way we've turned a corner. I mean, hope is in the Lord and not in my, my own merit. You know, that, that word merit is a, is a kind of a 16th century word. We may not think of it, although we do talk about meritocracies and people moving forward because of their merit or lack thereof. It rests upon his faithful word. Now, in in the translation I have, word is capitalized. And when I see that, I, I think not just the faithful inscripturated word, which, of course, I think it includes, but it's the word made flesh that it rests upon his faithfulness unto death, even death on the cross, that his word proclaims to us. And I think that we, we really need to, to recognize that, that the Word of God is both Christ himself and what he leaves behind for us in Holy Scripture, and that these two things are mutually speaking back and forth to one another. When I go to church, I go to hear his Word, but his Word is enfleshed in me because he is present in his flesh. And so there's a 
both in my ear and in my mind, but my whole body is, is joined to him, the word made flesh. I love that he says to them of contrite spirit. I mean, there you have the theme of Ash Wednesday. I mean, we come broken. We come on our knees. We come with ashes and sackcloth. To dust you shall return. That is what we are about here. And we are sorry for our sins. But merciful and just, it's an interesting order there. We might want to put theologically he's just and therefore merciful. But what we see is his mercy in many ways more than his justice. I mean, the justice of God is important. You know, we're declared righteous, forensic justification. But the way in which we experience that is through mercy. And in a way, we're responsible in a sense for understanding it in terms of mercy and showing mercy to others and not justice. Justice is for God, and he accomplishes it on the cross, the greatest moment of justice in the world. But that is, that is I think, something that we, we maybe need to think more about. And then trust. There's, he doesn't use the word faith. This is my comfort and my trust. And I, and I like that he does that. Obviously, it rhymes with just. But the trust is, in a way, that's what faith is. We trust in God. We fall back on him, knowing that he'll catch us. And we see how important that is in terms of recognizing what it means to actually completely depend upon God for everything. What, one of the things that I think is so important about this text is that it reflects that psalm. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. And here you can see, I mean, it begins with hope and it ends with patience. That's what that hymn's about. Waiting for the Lord is waiting with patience. And again, think of Ash Wednesday. We patiently travel with him journey with him for six plus weeks to Palm Sunday and then beyond that to Good Friday and Easter. And it's a patient walk. We take our time and we wait with patience to see the explosion of his love and his grace and his justice and his mercy on the cross and in the resurrection. Again, I could not help but look at every one of these verses through the the day that that we usually sing this hymn and that is ash wednesday it's it's a, a hymn that speaks directly to what we are about on this day here is stanza four and though it tarry through the night until the morning waken my heart shall never doubt his might nor count itself forsaken O israel trust in god your lord born of the spirit and the word now wait for his appearing
would you have to say about this fourth stanza? Well, I think this gets very, very personal, and I think almost everybody can identify with it, that our heart in the night, is it perhaps in wakefulness and worry and and even doubt, is troubled. And I think you can see that sometimes we can't wait for the morning to dawn so that we can get up and get out of our kind of languishing and in the anxiety that sometimes comes with the night. But Luther here says very clearly, as does the psalmist, my heart shall never doubt his might. And I think this is one of the great things you can really see about believing in a God who is just and merciful and is a loving God and a God in whom we can fall back on. Our hearts cannot count as being forsaken. And you can see the plea here. It comes from the psalm, O Israel, trust in God your Lord. The psalm uses hope, but Luther uses now here the word trust. This is the word that he introduced in the last verse, and now he's going to run with it. Trust in God your Lord. And that is, trust is a form of hope. And I think in just classic Lutheran fashion, he goes to baptism, born of the Spirit and the Word, John 3. That it is this baptismal life that we have by word and water and spirit that allows us to trust, that allows us not to feel forsaken, that allows us, even in the midst of the night, to actually wake up without doubts, fully believing, you know, that the Lord is the one in whom we have our whole hope and who will, as the psalm says, and it's that last beautiful verse of the psalm, where he says so clearly, David does, O Israel, hope in the Lord, and with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. You know, what a beautiful, beautiful psalm that is that ends like that. And I think, you know, we talked about patience in the previous verse. Here it's waiting for his appearing. There's that notion of waiting. And I think his appearing probably is looking to his coming back again in in judgment at the end times on the final day. But I also think to a certain extent, I mean, think of how it started, you know, Terry through the night, waiting for the morning to dawn, waiting for his appearance, the light that shines every morning that has always been a, a sign of the presence of Christ in our lives. I mean, that's why early Christians always prayed at the beginning of the day and in the end of the day as the light dawns and as it goes away. And I think the dawning here of the light is maybe, you know, you see Christ in the light that comes every day. And it's it's a sign to us that Christ continues to shine. And I mean, just think of what we're coming out of. We're coming out of the, the light of Epiphany. I've been dean of the chapel this quarter, and before every service I pray, you know, and thank God that the light shines in the darkness, and that light shines here now in Kramer Chapel as we hear his word and, you know, receive his sacrament or respond in prayer and praise, that that light refreshes and renews us. And I think that's how we feel sometimes after a long night of doubt and anxiety and tossing and turning, that that light is coming And in a way, it's the coming of Jesus to us as well. 
Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. We're studying the hymn of the day for Ash Wednesday, From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee, and we'll be looking at the fifth and final stanza on the other side of the break. Though great our sins, yet greater still is God's abundant favor. His hand of mercy never will abandon us nor waver. Our shepherd, good and true, is he who will at last his Israel free from all their sin and sorrow. This week on The Word of the Lord Endorsed Forever, we continue on in James with a dead faith, faith and works, taming the tongue, a restless evil, and wisdom from above. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endorsed Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendoors.org or your favorite podcast provider. How did God address the Gentile nations through the prophet Isaiah? What is God's message to his own people regarding both judgment and consolation? And how does Isaiah's divine message apply to us today? Find out in the new Concordia Commentary on Isaiah, chapters 13 through 27. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February, the Concordia Commentary on Isaiah 13 through 27. Sanctifying your commute with the Word of God. You're listening to Issues Etc. Christological. My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins. To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church. Final stanza of From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee, Dr. Arthur Just, is leading us in a study of this Hymn of the Day for Ash Wednesday. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to issues, etc. Dr. Just, how does this final stanza really summarize the hymn here? It does. And I began by saying that the first verse was my favorite verse, but 
I don't know. This is pretty good. I really love this verse. I mean, look at the law of gospel in the first two lines. Though great our sins, yet greater still is God's abundant favor. I mean, we've been talking about sins and how great they are and the the sadness that comes from being somebody who is oppressed by sin's dread weight upon us. And we talked about favor, mercy, grace, love. It's abundant. It overflows. I just got out of class teaching the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 in Mark's gospel that with Jesus there's always more. There's always abundance. Twelve baskets filled of broken pieces or seven baskets filled in the feeding of the 4,000. His hand of mercy never will abandon us nor waver. Think of what we just talked about in the previous verse of those nights where we, we are anxious, we doubt. His merciful hand will never, ever, ever leave us. We can always trust his mercy. That's why when the light dawns, it's a sign that maybe there is mercy there. And waver, he is firm. He is the good shepherd. I love that Luther brings in the shepherd imagery here. Good and true is he. And then, who will at last is Israel free? I mean, I think, again, we're looking towards the end times where Israel enters the final promised land. But I also think Israel has been waiting for this Messiah to come. And think of what we're doing this season. We are following our good shepherd who is good and true and is faithful and is going to suffer for us. And when he gets to Jerusalem on that tree, he frees the whole world from its bondage, from everything. And that is, in a sense, what this whole season is about, to reach that moment of great release from bondage that happens in the cross and resurrection of Christ. And what is it released from? From all their sin and sorrow. Sorrow over sin, perhaps, sorrow over death, sorrow over the terrible situation we have found ourselves in. But we are released from that freedom, the freedom of the gospel. That is one of the great themes of the Reformation, and it's one of the great themes of the teaching of Jesus. He comes to set the people free, and that's what the new creation is all about, that he has healed the blind. He has given the deaf ears to hear. He has cast out the demons. He has forgiven sin. He has raised the dead. He is the one who releases us from the virus of sin and all that it does to oppress us and put us into chains. We are free from all sin and sorrow. And that is what our good shepherd does. That is why he is good and true. Here is the entire hymn, From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee.
The Lutheran Public Radio Choir with the hymn of the day for Ash Wednesday, From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee. Dr. Jest, what are your final thoughts? When I think of Ash Wednesday, I think of all the penitents and catechumens who are gathered for this long journey to the cross, that tree planted outside Jerusalem. And I see Jesus going before us. He is our captain in the well-fought fight. He is the one who shows us the way. Uh, He shows us the way through the desert. John the Baptist has made the way straight. He's filled in the valleys and brought low the mountains, and he's made this road easy to travel in the sense that there are no obstacles. But it is still a very hard road because it is a road of suffering. It is a road in which we sing the penitential psalms. It's a road in which during all of Lent, we recite the catechism to one another. We confess who we are, broken people who need salvation. And we confess that this Savior who walks before us is the one who is the great king that will enter Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on our behalf. I've always loved that on the first Sunday of Lent, the psalm is the soldier's psalm from Psalm 91, you know, because we are in a way enlisted with Christ in this well-fought fight. We are foot soldiers on the front lines of this great war against Satan, and, and Jesus is our captain who goes before us. And like the psalm says, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And that salvation dawns on Good Friday and Easter morning when we see in those three days that he spent in the tomb how he has accomplished what we begin this day on Ash Wednesday, a salvation that only comes in Christ, not by our merits, but through his grace and favor in which his mercy is poured out upon us with abundance. Dr. Arthur Just is professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth. You can purchase these resources on the Talk on Demand archives page at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Dr. Just, thank you. A blessed Lent and a great celebration of Easter to all your listeners and to you. Next week on Issues Etc., we'll have pastors Brian Wolfmiller and Brian Ketchelmeyer respond to your unanswered Bible questions. We'll continue our series, Kids Have Questions, with Pastor Jonathan Connor, and we'll look forward to Sunday morning with pastors Will Whedon and Sean Denzer. I'm Todd Wilkin. Go to church on Sunday. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.
Jesus the Good Shepherd says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. We invite you to join us as we listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd and follow him who gives us eternal life. Sunday worship services at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible class at 1030, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, Arnold, Missouri, on the web at goodshepherdarnold.org. That's goodshepherdarnold.org. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Would you like to learn about the Reformation theology you hear on Issues Etc.? We'll send you a pamphlet of Luther's small catechism for free. It contains the biblical teachings on the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, Baptism, the Lord's Supper, and Confession and Absolution. Order your free copy of Luther's Small Catechism today. Just send your name and mailing address to talkback at issuesetc.org. This is Jeff Schwartz, General Manager of Lutheran Public Radio, with a message for listeners in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. We pledge to have Issues Etc. podcasts posted daily, no later than 5 p.m. Mountain, 4 p.m. Pacific. This will allow you to download and listen to the latest Issues Etc. podcast weekdays during your evening commute. Again, if you live in the Mountain or Pacific time zone, download Issues Etc. before you leave work and listen during your drive home. Lutheran Talk. The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran Music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org.